So this new series is called Kinfolk. And it was birthed out of looking at these passages in the lectionary reading and seeing how it starts with Christmas, with the birth of Jesus into the life of Christ as baptism in, in the sacraments of baptism and communion and then, and then the church. But in my own heart, uh, it, was, it was birthed out of this idea of family and, and whom do I belong to and whom matters most to me and, and to whom do I matter most to. And in the ancient world, there was this idea of kinship and it extended further than just people who were your blood relatives, but it, it included those who were close to you or had become close to you through some kind of social contract, some kind of difficult situations that you went through with other people that you might not have been related to at all through blood. And, and they became through these social contracts and through these difficult experiences like family, kin. And in the scriptures, we see this all throughout. The scriptures are the ancient world. So we see this with Abraham. We find out uh, that he had this whole entourage of people that, that he ended up traveling with, even though he started out and embarked on his own with just his uh, nuclear family of him and his wife when they were first called by God to leave the tribe that they originated from. We see this with Ruth and Naomi, where Ruth says to Naomi that your people will be my people and your God will be my God. And we, we see this uh, continue on or, or take shape in other places too as well with the 12 tribes of Israel and how they exited out of Egypt. You know, there's a little footnote in the book of Exodus that talks about who left Egypt. And it wasn't just the Israelites. No, there were thousands of Egyptians that left with the Israelites and were integrated into that community and became kin with the 12 tribes of Israel. Yeah, it's in there. And, and when you look at the New Testament, <clears throat> just last week we talked about uh, how Jesus's family and kin, there were so many of them that Mary and Joseph didn't even know that he was lost for a couple of days uh, because of the extended network and family, this kin. And so most of us, when we think about family today, we think about a nuclear family, and then we've got, so we've got a, a, a mom and a dad, or a single parent family, and then we have some children, maybe they're, maybe they're blood children, maybe they're adopted, and then, and then everything outside of that we call like extended family, or we just call friends. But what, what I want us to grapple with and to fill our imaginations with in this series is, is what does it mean to think about the family of God, the church, as something more than just a collection of nuclear families and singles, but as kin. You know, in, in, in some black cultures in the United States, we just call each other kinfolk. What's up, kinfolk? And, and the, the idea behind that, the spirit behind that, is that even though we're not blood relatives, we're still connected through experiences and through trials. 
and, uh, and through a, a shared history. But what's true about the Christian faith is the very same thing, united in the same experiences and trials that originate from the life of Jesus. The life and experiences of Jesus and his, his death and resurrection. And I think that this idea, if we were to understand it and for it to, to uh, transform us and allow us to transcend human ideas of blood bonds, it would radically change and alter the world. It has, and it can continue to. So Kinfolk, this series that we're embarking on today starts right here with the baptism of Jesus. Are you ready to jo join me on this journey? <clears throat> we start here with Jesus coming to the, uh, the, the prophet John and getting baptized. And John is preaching this, this baptism of repentance, which strikes me a little bit funny at first because Jesus doesn't need to repent. He's the son of God. He is without sin. But the meaning of the ideas of repentance help us. So the idea uh, of repentance of repenting in the Greek, metanoia, means to have a transformation of mind, to, to change your mind on a complete soul level. And, and the Hebrew word that uh, would have been used for that in the Old Testament, teshuva, means to turn. And, and it means more than just turning away from what would be considered sin, but it means also to turn towards God. Um, even you could go so far as to say it's not just turning away from sin and towards God, but a returning to God. And so here's what I want us to be able to imagine and think about as we look at this passage this morning is this idea of kin, this idea of being a part of the family of God it's a turning, but it's more so a returning to where we belonged to begin with. And so as we look at this baptism passage and we unpack the idea of Christian baptism, we're talking about a returning to our original place of belonging. And that's a very important idea here at Christ City Church. We have this very high ambition, and Mandy touched on part of it, uh, our vision to be a place to belong. Right now, our country is, is, is as divided as, it, as it's ever been in ideologies and ideas about who's in and who's out and what side somebody is on. And the church, large parts of the church are fracturing along the exact same lines. And I dare say that has everything to do with being ignorant to the most fundamental truth of the baptism of Jesus and the baptism of Christians and how that enters us into and returns us to the family of God. So why did Jesus uh, get baptized here? He wasn't repenting. Um, there's a few things. I just want to uh, mention these. 
um, so we can, we can fill this context properly here. Um, baptism in this sense here that we're seeing Jesus uh, engage in is about intention. It's about what you intend to do with your life, how you intend to move about in your life. And you're showing and declaring that to everyone, that you have the intention to move away from things that are harmful and hurtful to yourselves and others, sin, and move toward God. Sin in the Hebrew means to miss the mark. So you're turning away from a, a, a path that's missing the mark of what your life's supposed to be about and turning back toward God. And Jesus, as a man, is showing his intention to live this way. He's also showing a public expression of whom he belongs to, that he belongs to God. And, and there's, a, there's a third thing here that's happening because as we see this picture of Jesus being baptized, he's heading into his ministry as a person with great authority as the Messiah. And we see the prophet John and we see God the Father speaking to Jesus and the Holy Spirit descending upon Jesus that are showing, are giving testimony and witness to the authority of Jesus and his teachings and who he is. But here's what I want to highlight about this verse, I mean, these verses, when it comes to baptism. Verse 22, it says this after Jesus comes up out of the water. It says, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. So that's the Holy Spirit there affirming Jesus for who he is and who he claims to be. And then a voice from heaven, God, you are my son whom I love and with you, I'm well pleased. These things that we hear from God uh, come from the scriptures of Psalms 2, uh, verse 7, and Isaiah 42, 1. Those are both places where we see prophecies about the Messiah and that he was, that God would be well pleased with the Messiah and that God would be loved and seen as the son of the Messiah. But what I find really fascinating here is that um, Jesus doesn't need to hear these things. He, he doesn't need to know that he's loved or that God is well pleased with him because he's, he's Jesus. I mean, he knows this already. So there's, there's, there's something else happening here that I think is for us to receive and to know because who doesn't need to know that they are a beloved child of God and that God is well pleased with them? Anybody out here not need to know that? You just, you just feel like you're totally connected and belong and that, and that the people that love you and care about you are just well pleased with you? Anybody feel like that all the time? Just feel like totally embraced in warmth? from divine love all the time? No, anybody? Because if, if there's somebody out there, you can come up here and preach the rest of the sermon, all right? For most of church history, baptism took place outside of the church building. And, and the reason was to show this disconnect from knowing that we are beloved, knowing that we are well, that God is well pleased with us, 
that we are disconnected in some way. This is the, the human problem, the human dilemma, that no matter how good of a family that we have or an extended family or an auntie or a grandma or somebody that tells us that we're loved and they're, they're happy with us, we find ourselves wondering, do I belong? A- a- am I loved for who I am? That, that inherent in this human experience is a feeling of disconnectedness. And so the baptism would take place outside and then the child or the adult would be, would be welcomed into the church to symbolize that this disconnection had been remedied, that, that now through this baptism, this new birth, that the child, the individual was reconnected into the family of God, that they belong and that God was well pleased with them. I just have this, this funny image. I know I'm going to get some groans about this one, but um, you know, they do a lot of car washes outside of churches for like fundraisers and stuff. And I was just imagining like somebody from a couple hundred years ago, like seeing a, a fundraiser for a car wash outside of a church and then being like, like, why are they baptizing that car, that, that like carriage? What are they doing that for? Right? Why are they holding up the signs? And that girl is really dressed inappropriately for church, right? Anyway. <laughs> so this connection, this idea of belonging, it, it has typically been connected to and taken place in scriptures in ancient times. And today we've, we've tried to build this connection and have this connection through our bloodlines through the, the patriarch of a family or a matriarch in some cultures. So tying back why you belong, what basis you have to be in this family, in this kinship, uh, based on your blood relative connection that you can trace back as far as it will go. And it goes back far. I mean, usually the, the goal is to tie back to some really great person like Abraham. Or, or in, in China, there's, there's a, a, a myth that they know is a myth, but they embrace it as part of their lineage and heritage that Chinese people are the descendants of dragons. That's cool. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, and... The thing that is surprisingly similar and yet distinct about Christian baptism and our connection is that it, the, the idea of baptism ties us to a single person, a single person to show that we belong. And that person is Jesus, right? But, but at the same time, it's, it's different because it's not based on sharing of some nuclear family, some bloodline, or some kind of physical nature that says we have to belong uh, to this tribe, to this group of people, because we share some similar physical characteristics or DNA. Kinfolk, what's up, kinfolk? 
Because at the end of the day, that will always fall short of the mission that God seems to have in the scriptures, which is that all people would be united. All people would turn and remember whom they belong to. That they are all children of God, children of the most high. And so there is a a, a spiritual DNA, a spiritual rebirth, new birth taking place through baptism, through Christian baptism that joins us to a new family, the biggest family there's ever been, mystically connected into one person, Jesus Christ. That's why, that's why the church is called the body of Christ. That's why the idea is when we care for one of uh, one of each other, that we're actually caring for Christ. Listen to this, this passage from John chapter one. It says, yet to all who did receive him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God that you could belong, no matter the decisions that your family members, that other people that you belong to have made in your life, that you could belong to the biggest and most beautiful family that has ever existed. There's something that doesn't get talked a lot about in Protestant churches about our, our unity with Jesus, with Christ, but it's all over the scriptures. Just as the Israelites could claim their lineage back to Israel, Jacob back to Abraham, and say we are descendants of Abraham, and that is why we belong, that is why we are children of God. As, as Christians, and as, as we look out at the rest of the world, we see this possibility. This comes from Colossians chapter three. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Man, that's some intense kinship right there. That's what the the baptism of of a person is the death, the symbolic death and resurrection. And I would I would argue even the mystical death and resurrection, identifying with Christ. It says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That is a deep level of belonging. Verse four, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you are also will appear with him in glory. Interconnected with the Christ in such a way that we belong on that deep of a level, that we are hidden with Christ. In verse nine, it says, do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, 
barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to these words. But Christ is all and is in all. This is why we start here with kinship. This is why as Christians, we might have access to the only the only thing that has ever spoken on such a deep level to this thing we're all chasing after, which is to belong, to know we belong to a family, a family that is connected and reconciled with one another and with God. Do we, do we live this way? Do we understand this? Some saints have, but many of us, we need a lot of help from God to, to live into this spiritual DNA where we see that Christ is in all. Christ is all and is in all. But here's the thing. You know, it's easy, it's easy to say things like, hey, you know, you're, you're my, you're, you're, we're, we're both children of God. Like you can turn on TV and any, you know, celebrity or actor that thinks they're enlightened will just say things like that all the time, right? But how do you, how do you know that you're, that you're a child of God and what family that you're actually a part of? How do you know that? How do you know what family you belong to? Well, it's easy. It's the family you were born to, Right? I mean, I've known people and I have friends who've been adopted and, and at some point for those individuals, at some point they, they wonder like, who, who are my real parents? Who are the parents I was born to? Who, whom, am, whom am I connected to on this blood level? But whether you're adopted or not, I mean, we've already, we've already thought about this this morning. We've already discussed this. We all feel that. We all feel that on some level, whether we know our parents or not. Whom do I belong to? What family am I really a part of? Who is well-pleased with me? And the way that we know that answer is by asking what family were we born to? And if we're not satisfied, if that doesn't satisfy us, if that doesn't bring us to peace about our life and where we belong in this world, then maybe it's not a physical birth that could have ever satisfied that desire to know where we belong. C.S. Lewis says something like this, when he says this, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Jesus says it like this to the inquiring Nicodemus in their secret night meeting. Jesus replied in verse three of John three, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What family do you belong to? 
How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit, baptism. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. This is why baptism is so important. This is why this is the starting point for our, our imaginative journey that I hope ends us in real tangible realities of belonging, of kinfolk, of whom we belong to and who is well pleased with us. How do you know where you belong? You look back and see who you were born to. And this is Christian baptism, to be born again anew, reconnected, reconciled with God and others into the family of God. I, when I was 23 years old, I moved into these apartments not too far from here in Binghampton on a street called Wainoka Avenue. And uh, I happened to meet the neighbors around me who happened to also be uh, Christians. And before long, we were meeting together, praying together, throwing parties together. Then we started sharing resources together. And we started building a, a group garden and a group shop in the backyard. And we started uh, a, a house church connected to another house church from Hickory Hill there. And we were caring for each other's needs. We were caring for our neighbor's needs. And I was young and I was dumb. And I had a lot of bravado in me. And so were a lot of the other folks there. But, you know, over Christmas break, uh, this, this young woman, Kristen, she's about the same age as me, 38 or 39 or so, she came back from Nairobi, Kenya, where she lives and works and has started a, a uh, it's not an orphanage, but it's a home for children who are separated from their families. And they, their goal is to rehabilitate the children and reconnect them with their families. And uh, since then, her and these other families that were all just single individuals that lived in that community together, together we all come back together and we encourage each other, we support each other, we, we are kin with one another. And I was thinking about this and I was thinking about how passionate I am about this sermon series and, and, and in this time when we're so disconnected and separated, that's a big part of why I think it's important to be talking about this now as well. And I was thinking, why did we become so close? Why were we so connected? Sure, we had some similar ideas about similar things. Theologically, we were really different. Background-wise, we were really different. Relationally, ethnically, we were different. We had one thing in common, Jesus. That was it. 
And then through that spiritual connection and spiritual DNA, we began to live life together and we began to experience things. We, we began to have baptisms through fire of life, of sharing life with one another. And those bonds help me to know where I belong more than, more than a lot of other places and a lot of other things. And so as we continue to explore this topic, kinfolk, what does it mean for Christians to belong? And what does it mean for us to belong to one another and to see other people as potentially the same family as us? Uh, I say that with the, with the hopeful expectation that those kinds of bonds form and continue to form here and that we do our part, do the work to take advantage of the reality of Christ in us and Christ in all. Let's pray.